right, everyone, welcome to our holiday gathering for ProConbon.org and um, our live Drunk Agile session today with Dan Vacanti and Prateek Singh. I see a bunch of familiar faces, um, and I'm so excited to have you all here today and some new faces. Um, so what we're going to do today is open it up to the community to ask questions of Dan and Prateek. Um, I did maybe offer a bribe if somebody would ask Dan some questions about how story points relate to man hours. <laughs> That's my Christmas present to Daniel. <laughs> um, and we have some fun raffles we're going to give off today, or give out today too, for um, two lucky winners who can win some Pro Kanban gear from our Pro Kanban store online. Um, but I just want to welcome everybody. We're really excited to do this. Community is really the heart and soul of what we are trying to build here with Pro Kanban, and um, we welcome all of you into this. And you know, regardless of what you do in the Kanban space, there's a space for you here. So, welcome to everybody. Um, does anybody want to kick off with our first question today? Or Dan, Dan and Pratik, do you want to kick off with any topics that are? Well, we, we just missed one thing at the start of the show back there. Oh, sure. 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 Back there. Yeah, it's just before we get, let's, let's do things in order. Yeah. Did she have a hot toddy? She looks like she's, she's. She, she always <laughs> looks like she's had a hot toddy, as you all know. <laughs> Yeah, you pretty much have to be drunk all the time to live in that household. <laughs> um, we we do have a couple topics in our back pocket, but if anybody has a burning question, we can you know we'd, we'd rather start with questions that, that all of you. Um, uh, I might have, if you don't mind, guys. I mean, if you look at the Kanban guide, there are some items that needs to be done to make sure that we have a proper Kanban. Right, but what kind of practice or metrics you would re recommend that is not there, but you at least recommend us to try? A practice that is not in the Kanban that that is not. Yeah, this is uh huh. Fair enough. Um, one of the uh, I, I, I'm a weird answer to this. Uh, one of the things that I have been kind of fixated with of late is. Is, is sort of team size. We, most other frameworks dictate, hey, a team should be about this big. And that's something that we don't really talk about. Um, and I have discovered that people coming into Agile are already handcuffed with, if it's five to eight, great. We don't have any other options. Um, so for me, one of the practices I would like people to experiment with is, what about larger teams? What about smaller teams? How does that affect flow? How does that, that's, it almost feels like heresy when you say, hey, a team of 35 people. And like, well, try it out and see if it works before we just write it off. That, that's where my head go, went immediately as you asked that question. Pratik, can you yeah. tell us more about uh, about why? I know you shared a little bit of this on LinkedIn, but I think you called out some really specific things that you think the small, the the forced small teams actually break down. Be a good. For me, when you start, and this is kind of a flight levels thing as well. I'm not very familiar with flight levels, but I believe this is one of those things where, as you um, that that a lot of your time goes into coordinating and dependency mapping at the org level and figuring out where things are headed. Um, my thing is if you 
if you get rid of those dependencies by creating larger teams, then at the org, org level, you don't have to worry about this stuff. This, this, these 20, 30 people can self-organize and figure out how to get things to flow as opposed to, hey, I'm a five-person team. I got this done. Now I have to wait for that other five-person team, which 10 other five-people team have been requesting things off to figure out how things get done. So that's my rationale. Dan. Yeah, we, we have we have pictures we can show about that too. Um, for me, I was going to go much, much more tactical. I was going to say things like, we, you know, in the Kanban guy, we don't mention standups or daily scrums, but I think I think you should be doing those. We don't mention retrospectives, but I think you should be doing those. We don't talk about practices for uh, for um, good writing and management of of work items, you know, story splitting, things like that. But I think, you know, the, for me, those are kind of table stakes, fundamental stuff. I don't really know how you you achieve flow without some something along along those lines too. Um, I, I know that's 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 what I was thinking, of, but most most people think, oh, you, if we're doing Kanban, so that means we throw out all the Scrum events. Well, that's not necessarily true. Thanks for that, guys. Thank you. And how about refinement? Do you feel like there's a place for refinement? <laughs> So Colleen has just got a list of, you know, buttons she's just going to push. This is Colleen's Christmas gift to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, she's even got her drink. I do. Um, uh, from, for, uh, I'm so glad this is being recorded. I personally hate the concept of refine, refinement, at least the way that it's talked about in the Scrum Guide. I, I, I personally hate it. For me, it's, it's, it's all about just-in-time refinement, or it's all about just-in-time um, discovery, you know, if you will. This, this, this notion that we have to do refinement as this kind of separate activity um, in order to make sure that our PBIs are ready to be pulled into a sprint. Um, for, for me, not only is that not productive, it's, it's a lot of waste. I, I would do that. I would do that, honestly, just in time. It's really just in time analysis, as I think is what Pratik and I talk about. So um, not, not, not a big refinement person. And what's, what's interesting, at least this has been my experience anyway, um, if you talk to you can talk to any person in the Scrum community and ask them what refinement is. If you talk to 100 people, you get 100 different answers. Um, so I, for, for me, refinement is one of those things that really should just be kind of kind of eliminated, you know, from, from Scrum in general um, and replaced with, like I said, uh, the, the general answer, whenever we get asked a question, the general answer that Pratik and I are going to give is like, just in time. We'll just say just in time. Just do it just in time. So. Which probably some scrum people would agree with you. <laughs> That's yeah. Yeah. So I hope this, so. It's it's almost like we're saying that this part of our board is special. In order to move from here to here, we have to have this event. We don't say the same about dev and test. We don't say, hey, we're all gonna get together a week from now and look over all the things that that we're doing and make sure all the dev is done before it can move over to test. To me, it's the same concept. And just, just, just to be clear on language before we get hate mail from, um, <laughs> from Scrum people, we're not saying refinement's an event, but clearly refinement is in the Scrum Guide and something that, that's, that's supposed to happen. Um, you know, how, how that's supposed to happen, when it's supposed to happen, you know, who, who knows, but... Uh, well, and is fan. that something? Is it something that can be managed more through pull policies, or ready to pull? Correct, you know, is that something you can still have 
if there's a need for more just-in-time type of activities to refine your work, review your work, discuss your work, whatever you want to call it, is that something that could be managed more through poll? Poll policies are yeah. important. 100%. Shameless plug. If anybody's familiar with the Agile for Humans site, um, they do a Your Daily Scrum, but we also do a Your Daily Kanban. And one of the very recent episodes that we did was this notion of definition of ready. It's, it's funny how everybody in Scrum loves the definition of done, but the second you say definition of ready, people start throwing rotten vegetables at you, you know, and fruit and everything. It's like, how can a definition of done be good, but a definition of ready not be good? That that, that seems completely in, in Congress to me. Um, so anyway, we did a whole episode on that. If anybody wants a deeper dive in terms of what is a definite definition of ready, should that be used? And yeah, how do how do we to Colleen's point, how do we manage all this stuff using uh, pull policies? I see a question in the chat from Johanna. Um, she'd love to hear you rant about cost accounting. Take, take you go. You want to go? You no, want no, to go? No, go ahead, Dan. This is my Christmas okay. gift. I, feel, I think I've said this. I think I think I've said this this many, 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 many times. Um, and I, I think I've been recorded when I said this. For me, 80% of corporate dysfunction can be traced directly back to accounting activities. Right. When, whenever you see, whenever you see corporate dysfunction, almost always it's because of how accounting works. Um, and accounting, 80% of, of accounting crap um, is tied to, to taxes. So we can take this all the way back and blame the government if we want to. Um, but specifically things like, you know, CapEx versus OpEx, you know, how many times have you, you know, are you not able to get something done? Um, because we need to know, can we capitalize this, this cost or, or do we want to capitalize this cost or do we want to operationalize this cost or whatever? Um, we, we had a lot of it, um, Pratik and I had, had a lot of this this last week working with a, you know, a particular client and, you know, how, how their projects get, you know, how their projects get funded and staffed and everything is, is down to, um, you know, CapEx versus OpEx decisions. And depending on how it's going to impact the top line or the bottom line, that's how a project, that's how they decide whether a project gets started or not, you know has nothing to do with team capacity, has nothing necessarily to do with strategy, has nothing to do with any of that. It's like, how, how is this going to affect our balance sheet? And that that's the trigger for when things get started or not. So yeah, not a fan, not a fan. I know I, I see Steve Tendon's on. I know he's, I'm sure he's, he's jumping out of his skin. You know, we talk about throughput accounting and, you know, and things like that. So I know maybe we can save that for later. If anybody wants to, to, to hear a little bit more about throughput accounting and how it is potentially the antidote to cost accounting. I hope I'm saying all that right, Steve. Um, you know, then uh, then that that's that's where I would go if, if anybody's looking at well, how do we replace um, cost accounting? Throughput accounting is, is one place you might go. I don't know, Johanna. Is that do you do you want to pile on? I mean, I'm sure you've got thoughts. I always have thoughts. Um, I really like the idea of of assessing the tax burden and versus the possible revenue income, right? And if that might be a really good entry point to talk to my clients, for example, about if you do it this way, you can make more money as opposed to trying to limit your tax burden before you even start. Yeah. Right. So that's, um, for me, that's a really nice, a nice reframe. Thank you. Thank you. Take. <clears throat> Do you have anything you want to add on cost accounting? 
Oh, the, the, the only thing I would say is a lot of things that we have been talking about have that exposed versus ex ante analysis bit to it. When you're doing cost accounting, most of the time you're doing it way before things have even started. And because of tax code, you're kind of able to do that, but you might be better off figuring out how, how things how things went once once you've actually delivered something. Alex has his hand up. Yeah, Alex. Yeah, I, was, I was just going to ignore that for the rest of the time. Actually. I was just <laughs> let him sit there with his hand up. I was... I'll, uh, I'll quietly lower it. How about that? Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. Um, first time caller. Um, it's, it's just really just to build on the last question. And, and thank you. Thank you for the answer. Uh, obviously, relatively new community. The website really great. I've kind of been working my way through the resources and found those really helpful. I, I guess kind of another aspect of the previous question was just around, I don't want to say best practices, obviously, because there are no best practices, but there are also clearly bad practices, um, which is a community we could talk to. But I think probably there are lots of good practices or complementary practices, maybe. Um, maybe it's not a question, maybe it's just an ask or an observation. But I think um, one area as we evolve our Kanban or Kanban into next year is just thinking about actually, where do I go to get some of those good complementary practices from? Uh, I think some of them are probably pointed at on your website, but I think, you know, actually, I think there's lots out there and I think you want to kind of guide or navigate your way through the bad practices and the unhelpful things and really know, actually, this is a great complementary practice. You should think about doing this. And then maybe this is a good case study as well. Is there anywhere that you're aware of that we can go to, or is it just a question of just trying to find the gems out there in the uh, kind of wider ether? I don't know if you've seen them, but there's a lot of um, a lot of addendums. What are what we call addendums to the Kanban guide? So if you go to the Kanban guide site, there's a, there's a whole bunch of addendums. And so you know, like if you know, if you're wanting to do you know uh, Kanban from a Kinevan perspective, well, complexity perspective, I would say you know there's this. If you want to do Kanban from a whatever perspective, um, there's the PSK guide on, on Scrum.org and you know things like that. But um, those those addendums, and I want to be clear, those addendums are. Um, are purposely optional. That's why we call them optional, uh, you know, addendums. But there's, I think, there's a lot of good information in there. That's that's probably where I would start. Um, but then, I mean, if depending on your context, like I said, if you're doing Scrum, I'd probably go to like a Scrum.org site. You know, if you're doing Safe, for you know, better or worse, you know, go 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 to their sites. I don't, I don't know, Colleen, you you tell me. I don't know if our, you know our site will ever be heavy with that type of content. I don't, I, I don't know. I would. You know, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I would also look through the blogs because I feel like that's kind of the real life stories from a lot of the people, not just trainers, but people in our community. Um, that's a kind of a great, a great place to go look and, and hear what happens when you put all of it into practice, right? I think the guide is a great starting point and the pocket guide's a great, a great reference and starting point for best practices. But then there's the reality, right, of team size and, you know, cost accounting when all the all the stuff that actually happens when you go to work with teams and organizations to put this into practice. And so I, I like a lot of the blog content for that. Thank you. Scrolling through it now as you're speaking. So thank you for that. If you see the name Pratik Singh, just 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 keep going. Just <laughs> ignore it. Yeah, I'll yeah. do that. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Frankly, you just search for Julia Rester and read all of her stuff. That's what I would do. <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. Other other questions in the chat? Remember, there's $50 on the line.
Oh wait, there's fifty dollars on the line. I'm sorry, I might have missed it. What what do we button here? What's what's fifty dollars? Can you explain it again, please? So, Colleen, do you wanna? Yeah, we have a an online pro kanban store that's that's full of pro kanban shirts, hats, bags. You can get the pro kanban logo or kanban for everyone logo. Um, we also have a few that say surrender to the flow. I don't know. Is anybody on that has any of that gear? trying to see if I see any faces where I've seen folks sporting it yet. Um, so you just get a gift card to that store where you can go pick out your own, your own, uh, gear. We'll be giving away two $50 gift cards today. So one, one of the gift cards will be for the best question. And one of the gift cards will be just kind of at random, more at random for anybody who showed up, anybody who took the time to show up. So Gosh, I think of a thousand questions when I'm listening to Drunk Agile and then I'm sitting here now and I'm like, oh, what, did, what did I want to ask them? <laughs> Stefano, you've got one here in the chat. Is that a question? Just more of a comment? Do you want to share a little bit more? Yes, 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 of course. Um, hi, Dan. Hi, Pratik. Hi, everybody. Um, so I guess an interesting one for me, probably we also chatted a little bit on this uh, during the, the SPK course uh, in December in, in London, um, is around the progress metrics that uh, uh, are okay to be shared maybe with the, with the management versus uh, some progress metrics that are probably more reserved for teams to use only. This is, a, I found, always a tricky one, no? because we need to find, to strike a balance between the need for the management and the leaders to understand that the teams are going okay, are delivering value, uh, but at the same time, um, not exceeding with the level of information. And certainly, as you as you already have shared with us, no story points and velocity, absolutely. So I'm, I'm referring more to the to the real metric, not the metric that truly uh, matters. So just was wondering if you, if you had anything in mind around this topic. Um, yeah, I mean, I've also read the, the, the book recently, Accelerate. Um, I think they're also like some of the kind of like, they've also informed the, the, the aura metrics. So I don't know if maybe you agree with those four to be, those four metrics to be the one to, to be shared. So, yeah. As you said, Stefan, it's a hard one. Um, for me, the questions that leaders are usually looking at is, are things about, you've started work on this thing, are we going to get this on time? What do I tell the customers? The, those kind of things, or even maybe some quality metrics. Even. Those are those are the questions that they usually have: is are we actually going to be able to satisfy our customers' needs? And to me, I feel comfortable sharing that the, this like cycle time with throughput age with with, with management, but. I can see why people won't. Uh, I can I can totally see why people won't. I like to I like to put it up front to kind of go. This is how the system is running, and these are the things we're doing to to make the system better. Yeah. Dan. Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I don't think I have anything really intelligent to add to that. So. As usual. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, thank you. Um, Accelerate doesn't include flow efficiency, do they? I, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I haven't read the book. So 
Um, no, they don't. But, no, they um, don't. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, but it, like accelerate and flow framework. I love that they all they all want to come around and they want to rename everything. That's the thing. That's the thing that drives me nuts about you know about that that stuff. But uh, are you referring yeah. to also to the lead time part? <laughs> yes. Okay. So. <laughs> I see a few new questions popping in the chat. Before we go to Ez, um, Steve Tendon has a really important question that we didn't ask you both what you're drinking. No, uh, not, not drinking. It's too early. Steve, you, yeah, you I, drink one for us. Uh, yeah, I, I, have a, I have a hot toddy, which I put some random bourbon that someone gave me, which I don't like it by itself. So it goes into the hot toddy. Pratik, where do you stand on bourbon and coffee? Is that? Oh, I don't. I, why? <laughs> I have my reasons. I have three kids. That's why. She has three, three why, reasons. Why, why, why are you adding coffee to it? Oh, fair, fair. I think it makes it acceptable, an acceptable morning drink if there's coffee in it. Steve's got a beer. What else? Who else has a, a drink? I heard Jennifer say some Baileys. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, have you tried Cool Swan? I have not. Yeah. It's uh -huh. so good. Yeah. yeah, I ran out of my peppermint rum chata, so it's it's back to Baileys. <laughs> Anyone? Anybody else have a have a beverage? Okay, it's then not I guess we'll too early. It is four thirty p.m., but I can't. It's a, it's it's not acceptable to be training kids in kickboxing having had a drink beforehand. So it'll be after that, <laughs> especially for that. kickboxing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, as you said, were you tempted to include TOC type stuff in a more tar targeted way under the practice of improving your flow? Want to say more about that? Um, um, yeah. yeah. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, it, the question is very self-explanatory. I've got not much more to add, other than perhaps um, is it included more in the? Do you talk about it more in the scale Kanban class potentially? No. Okay. With all, in yeah, that case, all, yeah. This yeah. question is really designed to trigger you, Dan, and just to give, get you to go on a rant. So go for it. I don't. I mean, I don't have any any problem with TOC um, specifically, but short, short answer is no. No, we were not because I mean, it's been. Uh, for me, it's been handled much, much better in, in other places. Hold on. Um, I don't always, always have the book at the ready, right? Um, so that's, that's, that's why we talk to people like Steve Tendon. Um, and I'm hoping uh, if I can maybe pre-announce some stuff um, that, that, you know, we, we bring a little bit more of the, the tame flow stuff in, into Pro Kanban. I don't know that, like, TOC itself will ever be a recommendation in the guide, you know, as, as part of the guide, but certainly as we were talking about before, those optional practices, um, for sure, especially as you get into, into more scaling stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Did I hedge enough there? But if, for, for me, if you want to learn about, uh, you know, a theory of constraints, go to Tame, go see Tameflow, go see Steve Tendon and Tameflow. I don't, pro comments, probably not the place for that. Cool. Thank you. Did you, Andrew, do you, do you okay. sorry, did you want us to, did you want us to include more? Well, I, I mean, I was asked the question by a student in a, in a previous class around this, around, um, okay, you want us to improve our workflow, but, you know, we've seen from, um, you know, theory of constraints that 
perhaps what what we're optimizing isn't the most sort of limiting factor in the system um and so yeah i kind of cobbled uh, an answer together um uh, but I, yeah, I was just wondering if there was a more specific way in which we could kind of answer that question around uh you know when we're teaching teams around improving their workflow if they were to bring up theory of constraints um, um you know yeah we should do uh steve before you answer you and i should do a kind of a head-to-head -head, you know i'll take more of a, a variation perspective and you take more of a, a theory of constraints perspective and i think there'd be a, a really 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 good discussion about that but well i <clears throat> Can I, I'll just comment briefly on, on that. No, there, are, there are many, many approaches out there, uh, as we know, um, and many are like copycats of, uh, of others. And, uh, and often they, they uh, uh, distort the, the original practices. Uh, now I've been following Kanban uh, since the beginning and working with, uh, with Dan, uh, well, I think it was as early as 2015-16. And I would say that Pro Kanban is the only practice out there that would allow you to apply TOC. Why? Because of the focus on the work item age. That, that number, that, that metric, is really completely consistent with all the thinking of, uh, of TOC. I do not see any others that are doing that. Now all the, the uh, upcoming uh, uh, flow synonyms variants that we have out there, uh, no one is using work item H. And, uh, and that is really the basis for understanding, uh, understanding how to apply TOC. I've said this to Dan many times. Uh, Dan, you are doing TOC even though you you will never admit it, uh, but you are doing TOC. Maybe sometime we'll we'll go into uh, well, how how the relationship is. But it's really simple. It's really simple. Um, I mean, you all know the story of Furby, I I presume, which is the the the, the original formulation of Goldratt in his in his novel where he first like explained TOC, and you know Herbie's the scout that. That is like behind in the, in the hike is the slowest. What is that? No, that that scout is incurring the greatest work item age. It is that story. You have it there with work item age. So you are doing TOC already if you're using work item age, but you might not like realize the uh, the connection. And uh, and then of course there's so much more. You know, you mentioned throughput accounting before. Now that's that is like applying the same thinking but in that domain of, of the money anyway dan we must do something together absolutely i'll drop a link in here too there's a if you have not seen the the herbie video from youtube there's a clip of it that steve's talking about all right, there's a question from Andrea. Are you aware of the tribalism in the Agile community around Scrum versus Kanban and how do you deal with this? This could also be answered with drinking, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Pratik, how about you? It's, it's, the answer is yes and yes. Um, yeah, we, we, we our, our approach has always been, there is no reason why these two things cannot work together that there is absolutely no reason why these two things cannot work together. 
Scrum gives teams some sort of structure that um, helps them get a cadence around things. Kanban allows things to flow. The problem that I usually see is people have a very, if I could say outdated view of Scrum that we need to start with zero whip and end with zero whip, things like that. And that that is, I think, where that tribalism comes in of, of course, Scrum. And I don't remember the, the economist who said, you, you can't get someone to say something that's, uh, th that pays their bills. So someone who has been actively only teaching Scrum would obviously say, um, well, not obviously, most of the time say, don't look at that stuff. This is already working for everyone. Uh, our approach has been a little different to say, uh, you can layer Kanban on anything and, and work through. And if you go to the, uh, on, on the Pro Kanban website, there is a Scrum and Kanban article, which Jennifer, thank you for going in and, and, and actually providing some feedback and some edits. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the, the article's there and it really talks about it from the perspective of the myths people have about Scrum and Kanban. And probably the biggest myth people have is they don't work together. After, after about two or three of these, I'll tell you, forget about Scrum and do Kanban. But um, the, the idea is, yeah, they, they, they can very easily work together. Jennifer, you've got kind of a related question there around the I, naming. Do you want to tee that up? Yeah, I do. Yeah, just to kind of, um, thanks, thanks, Colleen, for uh, mentioning, noticing that. Um, so I've noticed that people try to put names on when they do two together. And that typically, that oftentimes um, that is also said with, uh, you know, viewed as, um, as a negative of somebody trying to do a hybrid or, um, or scrum bond. Um, what do you think of those labels and how would you, like, what are your thoughts on them? Would you blend them or Kanban with Scrum? I notice we do say um, layering and kind of go away from that. Um, I, I think Dan's waiting for me. Uh, I, I, the, the way I would just say is this is an agile team and we figured out whatever are, whatever are the practices that work best for us to deliver value to customers. Uh, that, that's the way I would approach everything so that we can avoid the tribalism around it. And go, here's a team. My, my, my team's primary job is to get things to customers as quickly as possible so I can find out if I'm delivering value. We do some whatever we do to do whatever we do to accomplish that. What we're doing. Thank you. Uh, Camille, you've got another question here. Some Kanban teams are very focused on volume and speed. What, in your opinion, helps to ensure value? Dan. Oh, oh, well, I was actually thinking about an add-on to the, the last question, um, if, if, if I may. <laughs> can, can we revisit that just very quickly? No, it's um, already in the done column. We, we nope. <laughs> nope, nope, we're moving it back. We meet definition of done. <laughs> yeah, no, we're, we're didn't meet the back. exit criteria. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, Dan didn't talk, yeah. The exit criteria is Dan has to talk. 
because um, I, I was just I was I was I was trying to I was trying to think about what 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 bugs me so much about things like like Scrumbon and and stuff like that. And I, I've talked about this a lot in the past, but um, I think I think the essence of it is when you start blending those just words together like that. Generally, it means well, I can do whatever I want from Scrum, and I can do whatever I want from Kanban, and put them together, and and that's and you know what, if that works for you, that's great, right? That's uh, you know who cares, right? Who cares what you call it if it works for you? I was saying I was just trying to get to you know tie it back to this um, this concept of professionalism, though. You know, I mean, I don't I don't think professionalism is you just do whatever you want, and you know, you know who cares. And so, you know, there, there's a reason there's a scrum guide. There's a reason there's a Kanban guide. That's not to say that you have to do everything in the scrum guide and you have to do everything in the Kanban guide. Um, but, you know, I think if we just start, you know, hybridizing names, if that's a word, um, I think maybe some of that professionalism is lost. I don't know, that's, that's, I think that's what was, that's really kind of sticking in my craw. I think, I, I, thank you. I think I've heard you say, um, if you choose not to do all of the the Kanban, you know, follow the Kanban guide and follow those practices, don't call it Kanban, that yeah. you're not, not what you're doing. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some point we need to have some agreed definition. So when we say a word, this is what it, what it, what, you know, what it means. At some point we have to have that. Um, and if we just randomly go around making up words, you know, how do we ever communicate? You know, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think in that same vein too, Corey Lattice put out a book, I don't know, probably what was it six years ago, seven years ago, called Scrumbon? That is a very specific version of blending the two practices together. And so I almost think when I hear Scrumbon, it's like, are you using that definition of it or is it whatever, whatever you decided to cook together? And so I think that's just another, another variation in there too of of understanding and and tools, right? Like what's your definition of Scrumbon? Is it is it that version or is it your own? Yeah, I think that's kind of where I've been sitting with it too. Oh. I can hear your pug. <laughs> okay, sorry. They no, are not... all three right next to me. Oh, no. <laughs> um, all right, so yeah, now, now that I'm listening again, what, what was it, what was the next question? Okay, oh, sorry, did, next question. So if teams are focused on volume and speed, if that becomes a focus for Kanban teams, how do we help ensure value is still part of the equation? Why, I don't why, Pratik, why'd you give this one to me? You can you can answer that better than I can. <laughs> I, I want you to answer so I can correct you. Oh. Um, for 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 us, the this is the thing that gets us in trouble with most of the product management community, and 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 I'm saying most because not all. Some 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 are definitely pretty much weak. This is. Um, we cannot know value upfront. And the only way you can figure out what value is, is by delivering something and then looking at it to go, how is this being used? Monitoring it and figuring out, is, is this thing actually as valuable as we thought it was? Now, if you follow that track, the, the way you figure out that is um, by delivering things very quickly and then monitoring them all. Uh, that that's where that's where the, the the trick for me is. A lot of teams get into this quick low cycle time high throughput range, but they do not go to that next level of. Am I actually watching to find out were these things that I delivered value? Uh, that that for me is just extending Kanban downstream. It's just saying there's a new column on our board now, which is called monitoring. And we're gonna 
we're going to have whip limit that column and we're going to say does is this thing uh, are these things actually doing the things that we said they're going to do so yeah that'd be my answer to it yeah this is, I mean, this is where I'm total in total agreement with uh, with Josh Karievsky. Um, I mean, I'm usually agree with everything he says, but I, somewhere along the lines, um, associating speed with agile became a bad thing, right? You know, and people say, "Oh, agile's not about going faster. Agile's not about 100. Absolutely, agile's about one going faster. You, if if you don't think agile can help you go faster, why would you do it, right? That for me, that's like one of the most fundamental things. Um, so, and to Pratik's point, the reason, the reason that we want to go faster is because we want to tighten up that feedback loop. The last thing we want to do is build a whole bunch of stuff that no, no, nobody wants, but the only way that we can know whether they want it or not is by, by delivering it to them. So 100% agile is about, about going faster. So uh, yeah, it, it, it kind of upsets me too. When a lot of people in the agile community freak out when they say, oh, agile is not about going faster. Agile is not speed. It's not about, it, it, it sure is. Because um, if it's not, I don't know what we're doing here. Yeah, I, I, I'm just. I was watching Joanna's comment there. Yeah, it's the best. Best part of this is when you're monitoring this stuff, you get to learn what you can remove from your product. Yeah, that that, that probably is the biggest bang for buck of Agile to say. How quickly do we find out we're working on the wrong thing? That's that's the key part of it, though. Once you find out yeah. it's not working, yeah, get, get it out of there. Get, you know, get it out of the code base. Get it out of the whatever. Whatever. Get it. Get it out. Why would we keep the cruft in there? All right. Next question: Is it Gresgors? You're gonna have to teach me how to say your name. Let's see. I think. He all right, well, I'll read off the question. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, Daniel mentioned somewhere that he still can't decide which is worse, story points or subtasks. Can you elaborate? This will be a good one. <laughs> um, if, if, if I said that, I'm probably a little bit clearer in my thinking now. I mean, I would say almost certainly story points, you know, um, are, are worse than subtasks. Um, so subtasks, for me, subtasks are bad if people think that, um, I'm making an assumption. This is where language comes in, right? I'm making an assumption that when we talk about subtasks, uh, we're not talking about the thing of value. Um, and the reason I'm not a fan of looking, you know, breaking down a, a thing of value into subtasks and uh, visualizing those subtasks is because, for the most part, that's noise. You know, I don't, I don't necessarily care about the individual subtasks. I care about about that that thing of value. Um, so, but. I would be less upset. I would be less upset if a team came to me and said, "Hey Dan, we want to break we want to break this uh, this value item down into subtasks. We want to visualize those subtasks." I'd be less upset about that than if they said, "Oh, we're going to spend all our time story pointing um, the, the the thing of value." So, um, I'm, I'm I'm still on the record of saying I think sto story points are um, are the the probably the the thing that has set the agile community back the most. Um, you know, set the agile community back what fifteen years, twenty years. It's uh, it's 20, here it is, almost 2023. We're still talking about story points. Still, still. I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see the day where uh, I never have to hear, hear the word story point ever again. So everyone knows what to send Dan in Slack every morning. Get on there, just send him a message, story points. Yep. Because math, Pratik. Because math. Because math. 
Yeah, and, and the thing, the other thing with subtasks is it's it's uh, it's again going away from this idea of we work as a team. Say here are here are the usually usually the way I see people do it is say here's a story that's of value. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this. And we're gonna go into our four corners, get the stuff done, and then try to put it back together, as opposed to figuring out how we deliver that value by working together. It's just it's not that that will always happen, but it sets up the model for that to be the default. All right, this Theus asked a question. What are your opinions on code reviewing and the impact it has on flow? Make sure you have your own code review column on the Kanban board if you're on Pratik's team. Make sure you have to have that. Yeah, it just has to be its own own thing, right, Pratik? Yeah, I have never punched a hole through a wall ever. <laughs> it's um uh, my thinking on this has actually evolved. I used to hate those columns. I was like, don't have it. You're 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 setting up unnecessary handoffs when when and, and causing things to just back up. Um, I would say if you're going to have that column, if if for some reason you want to visualize that. Put a zero web limit on it. As soon as something shows up in that column, our job as a team is to go attack that, get that thing out of that column, um, which is the behavior we want. We want the behavior of how do we come together and, and take this thing and, and move it forward. Yeah, I plus I do not know what benefit we get from code reviews that you will not get from pairing or mobbing and doing more of the just-in-time collaboration rather than delaying collaboration for two or three days. Uh, we're talking about making these feedback loops smaller. Why not just, why, why not do this together rather than wait for a random date? I hate to say it, but I agree, yeah. Alex, I see you've got your hand up. Thank you. Um, just, I guess, a follow-up question, maybe just on another uh, dimension. I'll allow my hand, don't worry. There you go. Um, but kind of the teams that you kind of go into, um, what are, what would you say are just the one or two really bad practices or anti-patterns that you just think, oh, they absolutely shouldn't do that, and that you see very often that we maybe as a group of practitioners might be guilty of? Um, an example of that might be, I think, you probably feel quite strongly against having a blocked column or an expedite swim lane, for example, is those sorts of things that are probably quite common that you just hate but see often. My, my, my number one thing would be any type of planning and upfront planning and estimation. That would be my number one thing, the thing that I hate the most. So much effort, so much effort goes into that and it, it, it buys you very, very little. And usually um, it's, its return is negative rather than positive. Um, well, because you said that already, what would be your number two thing? Don't mind me asking, cheeky question. <laughs> Particular talk, so I can think. Okay. Um, for me, what, what Alex, the, the interesting thing that you triggered there was, which I, I have never thought about this before. Why is it a blocked column in an expedite lane? It, that I don't know why that's not that that just doesn't fit my head somehow. It's 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 weird to say things get blocked when they're not flowing. We're gonna put them in a column. When we want things to flow really fast, we're gonna put them in a swim lane. You're, you're 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 changing your flow rules. Why is one a column and other a swim lane? 
I, I don't know what the answer is, but but that you just made me think of that. Why are we approaching change of flow rules in these different ways? Dan, was that enough for you to think? Oh, it was. Thank you. Um, I'm I'm gonna steal I'm gonna steal Pratik's thunder. It's kind of it's it's kind of a it's a, it's a twofer. Um, it's either uh, so my, my my second biggest pet peeve is probably either when when somebody on a team says uh, either oh just tell me what to do I don't want to have to think just just tell me what to do and or that's not my job right that's that's a that's a critique thing but I'm going to steal his critique thing you know th th that those are probably those are probably my, my you know my my second yeah. how many times are you in a stand up or a daily scrum and people just say ah just tell me what to do just tell me what to do I, I, I... yeah that, that hits the mm -hmm. professional part of pro kanban yeah I was going to say can you, can you imagine telling Telling uh, Tom Brady, oh, just tell me what to do, or Messi, right? As uh, Messi, oh, just tell me what to do. I don't think that would happen, right? I'll add mine to your list too. I I always get, I think my trigger trigger phrase is when I hear product folks say, "I have to keep my developers busy. We're going to pull in new work because I have to keep my developers busy." <laughs> that sends me up the wall. All right, Paul, I see you've got your hand up. Good to see you. What's, what's your you. question? We're, we're just letting anyone in. I know, right? <laughs> just let the riffraff in. Uh, well, I was actually going to add on, uh, if I may, it's not as much of a question as a, a uh, add on to what Pratik was saying about code review, because I've been very heavy on the engineering side, like still in the trenches at times. And so that can trigger devs because they want a space to do code reviews. And what I try, like this summer, I had a couple of times where I gave a talk where I was trying to help the devs understand, like, we're not saying get rid of code review, but to Pratik's point, mobbing and pairing, like, have you thought about the fact of the, the planning and all the estimation that happens up front, right? As devs, that triggers them a lot of times. It triggered me when I was a dev. I get triggered when I'm asked to estimate when I don't know the, anything at all. And you're asked to code review when at the worst time possible, it's already done. How can I help improve what's there? Because it's already done. So I felt like that resonated with devs, especially devs at that. So if you're having trouble convincing your team to like think outside the box on code review, start maybe thinking about that too because that can help them like understand i think for yeah anyways it's good to see everybody alicia you're coming for that gift card i see it <laughs> well actually I, this is not even my question i guess it's just a follow-up to the last one where he when you guys were talking about the pet peeve right of upfront planning and estimation well, yes, but the problem is when you work in an enterprise, right? That's what they need to fund it, right? So my my follow-up question is, and I hope you guys really do talk about like accounting, right? Um, in a longer conversation where it's dedicated to that. But my follow-up question to that is, so what's the simple answer if we could give one to like, how do we, how do we take care of the business needs of letting them understand how much money we need or, uh, uh, you know, and, and making it a valid and legitimate request that we need this batch of money while still leaving that space for the creativity and the actual, like, you know, all the factors that are going to evolve as we start working on this. What's the simple answer to handle executives and let teams be, you know, have some room? For for me, the simple answer is to be intellectually honest and say we don't because we don't know whatever method gets us to a good enough answer as quickly as possible. That's what we should be doing, right? And so that's why you know Pratik, you'll hear Pratik and I talk a lot about like Monte Carlo simulation and, and things like that. Um, I don't I don't think it needs to be sophisticated. I don't think it needs to be involved. I don't think it needs to be heavy handed um, because 
because we need to start, again, I'm just stealing all Pratik's thunder here. We need to start from the, the assumption that we're wrong, right? You know, so, so much of this planning, you're starting from the assumption that you're going to be right. And 99% of the time, you're going to be wrong. Um, so start with that assumption and say, hey, if I know that I'm going to be wrong, if I'm very, very confident I'm going to be wrong, why am I spending days and weeks and months, you know, uh, planning for something that's going to be wrong? What's what's a technique that can give me a good enough answer so I can start making some progress? So I would yeah. say, I know, I know, I, I know your executives don't want to hear that, but, you know, for, for publicly traded companies, this is why I was love, you know, especially if it's an insurance company or, um, you know, a financial company or whatever, um, you know, a publicly traded company, especially. Go in and ask the CEO, hey, you, you, guarantee, you guarantee for me exactly what your stock price is going to be a year from now. I want, I want it guaranteed 100%. You tell me exactly on December 21st, 2023, what's your down to the penny, what's your stock price going to be? There's no way they'd ever be able to answer that question, nor should they be able to answer that question. It's the same thing, you know, in software, you know, where for whatever reason, we're, we're held to this deterministic standard that just, just doesn't exist. Um, um, oh, again. Joanna is doing all the good stuff here, which is, <laughs> I'll add that in to say, I think we've gotten used to funding projects as opposed to saying these teams are fixed cost buckets. Let's fund these teams and they will we'll figure out how to get you the most value from, from these teams. Let's say we don't have to do a whole bunch of horse trading when we're talking about these things. It just makes it a lot easier. And a lot less variable, right? Yep. <laughs> trying to fund projects. Stefano, go ahead. Um, yes, I'm, mine is a, a little bit like, I don't know if it's an observation or, or uh, like a confirmation type of questions, but um, I hear a lot, not the, the comment, no, there are no best practices. And I do agree with this statement, generally speaking, when I also read it on books on, on everything else. Um, especially when we talk about models or frameworks. But do we all agree that uh, in, if in 2022, nearly 2023, uh, teams, especially software delivery teams, but also not software delivery teams, still don't use a common board or a workflow, uh, pool policies, whip limits, and some basic flow metrics, well, then it's, you know, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, obviously it's all about generating value. Okay, but can we, <laughs> do we agree that, uh, if we really want self-empowered teams, uh, you know, uh, cross-functional teams, super, super collaborative teams, you know, this is like pretty basic uh, uh, stuff to, to desire for, for a team in 2022 slash 2023? I mean, yeah, for me, everything that you say is, is, is table stakes. Um, you know, you, you, you're right. I mean, um, uh, <laughs> As we've talked about already, there's a lot of stuff in Agile that I can't believe we're still we're still giving airtime to, in in 2023. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, if you're if if you're not if you don't have some understanding of flow, I, I fundamentally believe this. I think I've said this a lot, but I fundamentally believe this. I think the companies that get this will survive, and the companies that don't get it won't. Um, how long that will happen, and how long that will take to play out, anybody's guess, right? But I fundamentally think the people the the, the the companies that get it will survive. The Amazons and the Apples and the Facebooks of the world, I think, have survived so far just because of money, right? Just because of, you know, sheer, sheer size. When it comes right down to it, when when interest rates aren't 0% for 10 years, you know, and now we're having to start to pay, you know, four, five, six percent, 
you know, on invested capital, that that changes the equation a lot. So, you know, 0% interest rates cover up a lot of sins. You know, I don't think that's what the world's going to be like in the next 10 years. It'll be interesting. I'm very, very interested to see how the, um, how agile kind of adapts to that world. Um, by and large, I would argue we've, we've been lucky um, with the, with the economy for the past 10 years. Um, my thought. Yeah, it's just, uh, uh, just, just as a follow-up, no comment. It's just that sometimes, uh, to me, when we are in large, especially when we're in large organizations, no, it always feels like that you, obviously you cannot be too prescriptive. And I don't want to be too prescriptive no, for when coaching teams. But at the same time, I still think that there must be some foundational elements no, for, for teams to operate. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise, we will never really progress. No, So I personally will not uh, anymore accept, uh, I mean, accepting quotation marks, like teams that, that use uh, project plans, you know, uh, deadlines and uh, gun charts. So otherwise, yeah. I think they, they will be working backwards. So <laughs> to yeah, those you're, teams, you're right. There's a reason we don't do bloodletting and, and leeches in, in medicine anymore, right? There, there's, a, there, there's a reason for that, right? And, and I agree, Agile should be the same way, absolutely. Well, I've got one more question for you guys, and then we'd love to hear what your favorite question was for the raffle. And, and uh, Maria, if you can um, spin your magic wheel and pick our random winner as well, we'll announce that in a moment. Um, last question is from Gunner. ProConban.org has done a series about Kanban in different contexts. Where do you see the limit, if any? Is there any context or situation where you think looking at flow metrics would be wrong if you want to focus on delivering value? I almost feel like that's a question for you, Colleen. <laughs> yes, great answer. Yes, Colleen, um, what do you think? Well, it's been really interesting. So the, the series that Gunner's referring to is Kanban for Everyone, which you can find on YouTube if you haven't watched them yet. Um, and, and Maria has been really instrumental in helping us get that off the ground. So thank you, Maria. We've had some conversations around th everything from HR to crypto to what else we've done, um, security. Um, I think, you know, some of the things where the, at least the flow metric side of it um, may be something like that you, you might want to optimize for something potentially different other than, than speed, like Dan was talking about, you know, HR might be one <laughs> um, where you're not trying to get people through the system as quickly as possible, depending on what the context is there. Um you know, we when we talked to the folks from um, on the crypto side of things, we talked about volatility in that industry, obviously, and how important it is to be able to pivot quickly and respond to change. Um, we talked to when we talked about security, it was also kind of um, I, I would say almost some of the things that that we would probably all coach to of not having an expedite lane, right? For for that team, things like an outage are always gonna, you know, if there's a security outage in an organization, that's gonna jump to the top of the line quickly. And so we talked about how do things, how how are there exceptions potentially for things that we might not coach other teams to do? Um, and I, I think there are there are exceptions in a lot of these cases. So there, the context matters. And so we talked through um, that through a few different ones. Maria, I'm trying to think, are there any others that come to your mind where we had? And Pratik, you were part of that security conversation as well. Was there yeah. anything else in that one that you found to to be different from how you would typically coach? No, I think I think we 
What's interesting about that one particularly for me is it's one of those teams that we were talking about early on that 20 different teams sends requests to. And yeah. at the same time, you have to service 20 critical customers. How do you make sure you service them in the in the most appropriate way? And yeah. whenever you have that, I think Kanman's just a great fit. We also had some folks on um, from the education sector, and that was an interesting conversation too, because it was really centered around empowering students to kind of choose their own adventure in the classroom, right? Do we want to keep talking about this subject? Do we want to move to the next? Um, how do we use feedback about our learning to help us decide what to do next in the classroom? And that's another one where maybe speed isn't as important. Um, you're really focused more on that feedback loop and using using the feedback about, you know, maybe test scores or or output from the students to say, what are we going to pull next? Um, so that was a fun, fun conversation, too. We also had a student on that one. So that was a different perspective on all of it. Thanks for the question, Gunnar. All right. I know we're at the top of the hour. Dan Pratik, top question winner. Um. Uh, for, for for us, it was uh, it was it was Camille uh, with Camille. I'm, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Uh, Camille with his question about some Kanban teams are focused on speed. How do you have the? How do you help ensure value? I think that's I think that's pertinent to this conversation for sure. Because at the end of the day, well, that's what we're trying to do: deliver as much value as possible. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thanks, Camille. Thank you very much. And I'm glad that you said this aloud that we actually want to focus on the value. Uh, honorable mention to uh, Jennifer and Johanna. Um, I think the, the question Johanna is asking is, is, is the number one thing that needs to be solved soon. Um, and Jennifer, I just want to point out that your question was the one that made me, I think, most think the most um, this session. So thank you for that. All right, Maria, and who's our random winner? I have Simona, Simon? Cusimana? Still, still, still here? Are you still here? Yay! Come on. Are they I still here? You. I can see you. You were here earlier. We need somebody else? Well, then my next uh, random number was Alicia. <laughs> so thank oh. you, Alicia. Oh, there you go, uh, Alicia. All right, so for Camille and Alicia, we'll get those gift cards to you in the email, in your email shortly. So I'll get those emails from Maria since she registered for the event. Um, thank you all for joining us today. This is awesome. It's great to see so many faces for names that I've only seen in Slack and see some familiar names and faces that I haven't seen in a while. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season, whatever that means for you and your family, that you get some rest and some time with loved ones. And we hope to see you all in the new year. Thanks, everybody. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Everybody, happy holidays.